Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down through our, our Bible teachings, and tonight we're going to be talking about Second Kings. Uh, just a little recap, you know, we were, you know, going through the life of Samuel and then on to Saul and David, you know, and how God had, had moved us out of, you know, really that having the prophets be the main voice to establishing a king, you know, and Saul was given that opportunity and he did all right for a minute, but because of his arrogance and his pride, you know, and, and being stubborn and not willing to listen to God, he was kind of removed and David was put in his place. And Saul was pretty, you know, aggravated that, that he wanted to kill David, chased him around for almost 20 years, and eventually Saul came to his demise. David was put in as the king, even though he was anointed to do it as a young boy. So now he's a man, you know, 20 years later. And he's doing amazing. You know, he's taking out the, the tribes that are surrounding, you know, in the land, you know, just as, you know, Moses and, and Joshua predicted that they needed to do. You know, he's a man after God's own heart. You know, he's, he's taken out all the, the, the different idols of the land, the different types of worship. But once things got peaceful, he started to coast and slack off and he got distracted. You know, he, he got distracted by a woman, you know, and um, started falling short in different ways. And, and his household really, you know, was affected by that, you know, and eventually, you know, his son rose up against him, you know, and his son ended up dying. You know, he lost a couple of sons. You know, one of his daughters was raped, you know, and, and he passed on the kingdom to Solomon, who also was one of his sons. And Solomon started great, but he started to slip and he started to act, you know, and do things inappropriately and started to marry all these, you know, different women from different tribes and different religions and different belief systems to the point where, you know, at the end of his life, he literally had broken all the laws of a king, you know, and, and done everything that could be done really to defile, you know, Jerusalem to the point where his next son was a bad king and the, the, the kingdom had split from and into Judah and Israel. And things started to get really crazy. You know, as you read through the book of Kings, you start to see, you know, as it's listing all these kings, there's quite the turnover, you know, and it, and it states that this king did what was evil in the Lord's eyes and this king did what was evil in the Lord's eyes and this king did what was evil in the Lord's eyes and this king did what was right in the Lord's eyes, but he didn't get rid of all the, the idols. This king did what was evil in the Lord's eyes. This king did what was right in the Lord's eyes and did get rid of the, the idols. And you see this, you know, there's 20 kings for Israel and about 19 kings for Judah or vice versa. But in the midst of all this craziness, the prophetic voice starts to rise up, you know, and Elijah comes up, you know, and he begins to, to speak, you know, the voice of the Lord, you know, when no one else is, you know, there's the kingdoms and they have their, their priesthoods, you know, and they're basically just telling the kings what they want to hear. And Elijah's standing up and, and, and really speaking the voice, you know, what the word of God, you know, and being a voice in the, in the midst of the darkness. And, um, Everybody wants to kill him, especially Jezebel. You know, she threatens to murder him. And he basically, you know, utters and says that, you know, you're going to die in a despicable way. You know, dogs are going to eat you in the street. 
you know, and this really makes her pretty mad, and she's chasing him around, but, you know, he, you know, he's God's anointed, so, you know, basically, they can't catch him, and they can't, they can't get him, but in the process, you know, Elijah comes across the guy who's plowing a field, he basically calls out to him and says, hey, come with me, and this is Elisha, he instantly recognizes the call of God, you know, he basically takes his ox and murders it and takes his plow and makes a fire and, and does an offering to the Lord right there and basically leaves everything behind and starts following Elijah. You know, and, you know, this becomes the tandem. You know, we have Elijah who's calling down fire and Elisha who becomes the next prophet to the nation. <clears throat> you know, you know, and Elijah is... is you know, he's fearless in a sense. You know, he's standing up to these kings. He's standing up to these, you know, his queens. He's, you know, standing up to the different prophets and priests. You know, he's always got bad news because he's telling the truth. You know, this society and day and age in our lives, you know, people don't like to hear the truth. You know, and the Bible talks about it. When, you know, bad becomes good and good becomes bad. You know, we're living in that day and age again. You know, we're... It's okay to sin, and when you talk about holiness or staying even pure, you know, that you you say that you want to stay out of relationships, everyone ridicules you and, and persecutes you and, you know, and mocks you. But, you know, Elijah gives a stern rebuke to the king, you know, and basically pronounces his death in front of everybody, you know, and... You know, and the king gets really upset and he sends like all these, you know, his armies after him. And basically Elijah, you know, just takes them out. You know, he's calling down, you know, fire from heaven. You know, he's asking for God's help, you know, and God is delivering him from all this stuff, you know. And, um, you know, in the process, you know, Elijah kind of t tells Elisha, you know, to go home. You know, and Elisha's like, I'm not going home, I'm going with you. And Elijah turns to him and says, go home. You know, and Elijah's like, no, I'm, I'm going to follow you. You know, and this goes back and forth a couple times. And eventually, you know, Elijah just kind of keeps it moving and Elisha follows behind. You know, there's times that we go through difficult things in life. And it seems like following God is is not as easy. You know, and life seems to be calling us away from God. You know, and it's so easy to agree with life and not agree with God's calling in our lives. And it's so important that we keep chasing God no matter what our circumstances is, no matter what the people around us are saying. You know, it's so important that that we keep pressing forward into what we believe that God is is telling us according to Scripture. Because we can get weird with, you know, Jesus told me this and Jesus told me that, and especially when it doesn't align with Scripture especially when we're not plugged into the body of Christ, you know. But, you know, in the process, you know, Elijah promises Elisha, you know, that he can have his mantle, you know, when he passes on, you know, and um, <clears throat> if he sees, you know, Elijah's, you know, death or departure, you know, and um, in this process, you know, Elijah, you know, ends up, you know, dying, and well not dying really he he leaves in a chariot of fire but elisha sees it you know and elijah throws his mantle and elisha catches it and he gets this double portion now through the years you know this is a quaint thing for people to pray like i want a double portion lord 
and what you're asking for, you know, what we're asking for when we pray for a double portion is really the call of God on our lives, which means there's going to be persecution, which means there's going to be difficulty. Every person that we read through the Bible that really has a call of God on their life, it doesn't go well for them. Everybody around them wants to kill them. You know, they don't have riches. They don't have really anywhere to live. They they have all these crazy circumstances in their life. Now, we live in a different time frame than this, you know. But I've heard through the years, and I've said it myself, for a double portion, you know. And when bad things start to happen, I start whining to God. But then when we look in Scripture... That's what's supposed to happen because it's through the persecution, it's through the suffering that our anointing is increased. You know, but a lot of times in the suffering and in the persecution, we turn away from what God's calling us to do and we turn back to what the world is calling us to do and we miss opportunities. Now, it doesn't mean that we miss it completely. You know, this is where Jesus plays this interesting card in our lives is that his mercy is new every morning and his grace is sufficient that any moment that we can ask Jesus back in and he begins to spin us, you know, spin us around. But, you know, there's difficulties in our life. You know, if you're truly chasing God, it's not easy. You know, and we have to get out of this prosperity gospel that there's five easy steps to follow Jesus and everything is going to go great for you. You're going to have a Mercedes Benz and a gold helicopter. Like that's not realistic. That's not biblical in the sense that it doesn't mean there can't be, you know, wealth and it doesn't mean that you can't have prosperity. But when we're only looking to God to do one thing for us, that we get it out of proportion and we get it out of context and we're looking to God to be our, our genie in a bottle. And I don't see that for myself in scripture. You know, I do believe that God, he's prospered me since I was saved. You know, I, since I came to Utica, I came to Utica out of jail with a backpack, a duffel bag full of clothes. That's all I had. You know, and if you look at what God has done in my life, that if I saw what I have now back then, I would say that God has prospered me. And he has, you know, Am I driving a Mercedes and do I have a gold helicopter? Absolutely not. Will I ever one day? Probably not. You know, because I would sell the gold helicopter to help people. But that's just me. I don't think a gold helicopter would fly real well. Anyway, but anyway. <clears throat> you know, here's Elisha's, you know, ministry as it starts. And as this is predicted, you know, Elisha goes to, to new lengths with God, and he really does have a double portion. You know, he's pretty an amazing prophet. Technically, everything he says comes true. You know, and as a prophet standpoint, to be 100% accurate, that's pretty much incredible. It's not really possible if it's not God moving on this man's life. But people mock him. People, you know, persecute him. You know, there's a story where he's wandering. You know, he's going on his path, and all these little kids start mocking him. And he takes it for a while, and then he gets upset, and he cries out to God. And God sends a bear out of the woods, and he, like, eats the kids. Now, we look at that, and we think that that's pretty horrific. 
But, you know, God always takes care of our mockers in different ways. Through the years, people have mocked me. You know, and to my knowledge, no one has been eaten by a bear. But, you know, as I continue to follow God and I put my head down and keep my mouth shut, you know, he vindicates me and he deals with my mockers. Now, I'm not saying that I'm anything special and I'm not Elijah, but it's true for each and every one of us. You know, as we stay on God's path, God will take care of us each and every step of the way. It doesn't matter what people are saying around us. It doesn't matter if it's our family or not. It doesn't matter if it's our workplace or not. It doesn't matter who it is, that if they're mocking us, they're truly mocking the Lord. You know, and God takes care of that stuff. You know, and it doesn't mean that we need to be praying for it. God, smite them with your almighty smiter. You know, God, send a bear out of the woods to eat them. You know, it's just, you know, it's a principle that as we honor God, God takes care of us. You know, and so it's important that we we recognize the fact that, one, we're going to be persecuted. One, we're going to be mocked. You know, but how much more did Jesus get? You know, and it's so important that we keep this in perspective that this is part of the deal. That if you're a real Christian following Christ, that you're going to make waves even in the church, even amongst other believers, because your actions may bring conviction when you're trying to honor God with your life. It doesn't mean that you're saying things. It doesn't mean you're pointing fingers. But, you know, when we allow God to move in our lives, crazy things begin to happen. You know, you know, I got sober and I was still working at a tattoo shop. You know, and it was a joke. You know, oh, Tom's going to church. He's trying to be a priest. And, like, there's still people that say that today. And I'm like, eh, I'm not really a priest. I'm kind of a pastor, but whatever. You know, and I don't make it a big deal. You know, and through the years, I've heard some of the things that people have said. You know, one of my old friends you know, because now I have Jesus, he was wishing upon me that I would die in a burning car accident. And this is one of my friends. Because of the conviction that he has, because not just Jesus, just that I'm sober. Just that I'm sober and he's still using, there's a conviction in his life that he hates me because he wants to get sober and and hasn't. You know, and there's other people that have said wonderful things about me as well. You know, and I just keep it moving. You know, I can't control what they say. You know, there's a a guy in AA. He says, what people say behind my back is none of my business. And I've taken that true since, you know, before I came to Jesus. Because I would get so caught up in what people think of me. And I would get so caught up in what people are saying about me that I would be pissed off all the time about stuff that, and a lot of it wasn't even true. You know, we get caught up in the rumor mill sometimes, you know, and it's important that we know who we are in Christ. My identity doesn't come from my past. My identity doesn't come from what people say, even the people that say good things about me, that my identity isn't in those things because then I can get prideful or egotistical. My identity comes from Jesus you know, and when I do good things that people do say, hey, Tom's doing good stuff, they're really praising Jesus in me. 
you know, and it's important that I give that stuff back to Jesus if my head starts getting too crazy. Because, you know, what he's done in my life, yes, I've been obedient, but really it's him in my life that's done all these things because I am a firm believer that I have a 100% track record of destroying everything I touch if I do it my way. And the only reason that things have been going right for me for a minute now is because Jesus has been moving in my life and I pray and obey to the best of my ability. You know, not that I am perfect because I am far from it. But as I allow Jesus to keep moving in my life and I continue to sit still to the best of my ability, even though I've wanted to run away so many times, I've been at the line and saying, God, I'm done. And he keeps telling me to sit still and trust him. And I absolutely hate it, just as many of you hate it. You know, there's been a lot of times that I have tears strolling down my face, and I'm saying, I trust you, Jesus, I trust you, Jesus, I trust you, Jesus, because everything inside of me is screaming, run. I don't trust you, Jesus. You know, and, you know, I say it all the time, is that I'm so grateful that my feet obey Jesus better than my brain. And I think it's because my feet are planted on the rock and my head's in outer space. <clears throat> but... You know, it says, you know, that my heart is renewed. My stony heart turns into a heart after Christ. I have accepted Jesus in my heart. But the Bible tells me I need to renew my mind. You know, my mind has to be renewed according to Scripture. You know, I need to get that thing fed. You know, I need to get my spirit filled. And I need to get my brain fed with Scripture so that I turn my my mind over to be obedient to Christ. So I take every thought captive. And when I'm doing that, to the best of my ability, Jesus has a funny way of weaving me through the potholes. It doesn't mean I don't step in one now and again. But, you know, for the most part, you know, you know, he's, he's kept me from screwing myself up too bad because that's all I ever knew how to do is destroy everything I touch. You know, it's so important that we, you know, continue to realize, you know, that Following God comes with this package, you know, and there are blessings and there are persecutions, there are ridicules and there are praises, you know, and finding balance in that is difficult, you know, because one, I'm an all or nothing person. I am a black and white thinker. You know, I am full steam ahead in one direction or the other. You know, I'm doing great for a minute, and then I can go great to absolutely destroying everything I touch in the matter of seconds. You know, I can wake up with Jesus and go to bed without Him. You know, I've done it in the past. You know, I had a little bit of Jesus back in the day, and I, I relapsed, and I, I went back to doing what I was doing. You know, and it wasn't just a little bit of debauchery. It, it's, you know, it was bucket after bucket as much as I can get. You know, and... When Jesus came to get me the last time, you know, I was tired. You know, and I think that that is a, a key component to truly following Jesus and truly staying sober and truly getting out of sin is that we have to be tired of the pain that it's causing us and realizing that if I reach for it again, it's going to be the same song and dance. It's going to be the same mess. It's going to maybe look different for one second, but usually, you know, I watch people that they, they try to use successfully and it just instantaneously crazy things happen. You know, you know, recently, you know, you know, I watched somebody fall pretty fast, pretty hard, 
you know, when they turned from Jesus and back into their addiction. And it was pretty epic to, to see how fast and far they went. But also in the midst of it, you know, God's mercy and grace was upon their life and, and they're already back on the right track. You know, so it's very important that we, you know, keep our eyes on Jesus because this world promises many things, but it never provides. You know, it never follows through. You know, but talking about God's provision, you know, there was a, a widow who barely had anything, you know, and Elijah went to her and, and told her to, to make him some bread. And she's like, literally, this is all I got. You know, I was basically going to make this last piece of bread and die. You know, it's like, it, it's pretty dramatic if you really think about it, you know. But Elijah was like, well, give it to me. You know, and then go get all the jars you can possibly find. You know, and he takes that, that bread and flour and multiplies it. You know, basically jar after jar after jar after jar after jar. And it probably could have went on if she could have kept finding jars. I think that she took up all the jars that were in the village and they all got filled. And eventually when she didn't have anything else to put in, you know, give him a jar, he was, you know, it, it kind of ended. But, you know, you know, God takes care of us when we give him what we have. You know, it doesn't mean that we're going to have, you know, prosperity. It doesn't mean that if I tithe this week, I'm going to get a check in the mail for a million dollars. That's not what that means. It means that when I give him my heart and I give him my life and I give him my finances and I give him, you know, my plans, he has a way of providing for me far beyond my abilities to do so. You know, you know, and through that, you know, he promises her a son. You know, she didn't have... you know, any uh, children at that point. And he said, basically, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And sure enough, she did. And, um, you know, he grew up to be, you know, in in his probably 20s or whatever, and he ended up dying. And um, she is pretty upset about that. But anyway, she comes in, and she's like, why did you do it? Why did you give me this blessing? Why did you take it away? You know, and she's talking to the man of God, but she's really talking about God. And Elijah, you know, you know, basically goes to him and repeats what Elijah had done earlier in bringing someone back to life. And he basically lies on this, you know, man, you know, face to face. And eventually, you know, he comes back to life, you know, and we're like, wow, that's a crazy Bible story that someone was raised from the dead. You know, we don't hear about it a lot, you know, especially in the American church. You know, we get caught up in Christian TV that, you know, if you buy, you know, water from the Jordan for 1995, that you're going to get a million miracles. But in reality, there are men and women around this planet that are serving God in mighty ways. You know, that there has been people raised from the dead, you know, in our lifetime. Whether we hear about it or not, you know, we don't really. You're not going to see it on, you know, the 700 club you're not going to see it on christian tv but you start to hear some of these ministries you know Catherine coleman uh, you know uh, david hogan you know and you know it goes on and on smith wigglesworth he's not he's not alive anymore but you know there's name after name after name of men and women that have honored god with their lives you know and you know god has used them in mighty ways you know that the miracles of the bible are not yesterday they happen today there's healing signs and wonders that move 
you know, it's important that we press in to God. It's important that we live to the best of our ability according to Scripture. It's important that we believe in the mighty miracles of God. It's important that we believe in the God that Elijah and Elijah, or Elisha and Elijah serve because it's the same God that we serve. You know, and sometimes we think that God's far off somewhere. He's not paying attention to what's going on. But so often we compartmentalize our God and we, we don't allow him to every aspect of our life. You know, when you look at their lives, you know, everything around them is crazy. You know, the people around them are worshiping all these gods. I mean, there's temple prostitutes and they're, you know, they're having kid sacrifices and there's Asher poles and there's, you know, temples to Baal and, and Belzebub. You know, like they're worshiping the devil. You know, they're doing all these sorts of crazy things. I mean, it's very similar to what we're going through today. And they chose not to entertain any of those things and press into Jesus to the best of their ability or press into Yahweh. You know, and the Spirit of God came upon them to do great exploits. You know, and I believe that that is the same for today. We believe in revivals. You know, there's been the Azusa Street revival around the 1900s. There was a, uh, the Toronto Renewal, you know, that was in the 90s that basically our church, you know, Redeemer Church came, you know, to new places when people were getting baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that there is this power that comes upon us when we prioritize Jesus above all of the things. You know, and that doesn't mean getting weird. That means that we look at the Bible and say, well, this is what the Bible says. And this is what happens when people pursue Jesus with, you know, with this fire that we only, you know, we've only seen in our lives when we're chasing sin. You know, I've chased sin, you know, when I've basically put everything aside to chase it, you know, and it's so important that we take that same tenacity and say, you know what, I'm going to chase Jesus, you know, because I did not care what happened in my life when I was chasing my addictions, and yet when I come to chase Jesus, I I, I make these deals with him, and I, I lose that deal every single time because he's not playing. He's like, this is the hand, you know, accept it or not, you know, and it doesn't mean that he can't change it, it just means that there's hurdles and there's walls and there's doors and we have to learn to handle them, you know, as biblically as possible because he's trying to strengthen our character as we go through these things, you know, and we normally don't like the character tests. We don't like our character being strengthened. It's never fun. You know, it always takes some sort of discipline that we love so much that I should deny myself and do this. I'm like, yay. Praise Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, is that's how we grow in the Lord, is when we are denying ourselves, living to the best of our ability according to Scripture, growing in our relationship with Jesus, talking to Him all throughout our day. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you know, get up in the morning and ask Him what color underwear you should wear. So I think that's weird. But, you know, and I don't think you need to ask Him what you should be eating at every meal. I personally think that's weird, but that doesn't mean you can and can't. I mean, I just, that's my opinion. But I do say, God, help me with this. God, help me with that. God, help me in traffic because I want to choke that person. God, help me not say certain things that I want to say that I shouldn't say. God, help me to do the things that I know that I need to be doing that you've asked me to do. God, help me to be the better man than I was yesterday. God, help me to grow. God, help me to surrender. God, you know, all throughout the day, we have a million chances to honor him or to not honor him with our actions, especially our models. 
you know, so it's important that we're learning to grow with him, you know, because God wants to do crazy things with us when we lay down our lives, you know. That as we watch in Elijah's life, or Elisha, sorry, you know, that we start to see some of the things that Jesus did. You know, that it's a, it's a prophetic, you know, actions. You know, it's a, you know, it's showing us, you know, what God wants to do. You know, he, he takes care of the poor. He takes care of the disenfranchised. He takes care of the widow. He takes care of the hungry. Because Elijah comes and he feeds a hundred people, you know, with nothing. You know, he multiplies this bread, you know, and that's just what Jesus did. So it's funny is because Jesus gets persecuted for doing it, but they absolutely believed in the scripture that Elisha did it, you know. And here's Jesus doing the same things that, you know, the prophets of old did, you know. And over and over and over again, you know, Jesus said, it was written and this prophecy is fulfilled. And he's talking about Isaiah and he's doing stuff that Elijah did. Or, and he's doing stuff that Elisha did, you know, but yet he's being persecuted, you know. So it's so important that we realize that when we lay our lives down for Jesus, one, we very likely are going to face some sort of prosecution. There's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some character strength, things and um, opportunities. But... You know, the Bible says that we can do greater things than Jesus did. Now, I think that's absolutely crazy to think that we could do more things than Jesus. But you watch some of these ministries of some of these people that are not in America, you know, like a David Hogan, who's raising over 300 people from the dead and healed basically every known disease known to man as he's traveled all over the world, preaching at different conferences and different churches. And he's basically evangelized the mountains of Mexico and set all these different tribes of Mexicans free to worship Jesus that used to worship shamans and witch doctors and all sorts of crazy things, that if you look at the, his life and the expand of how he's been serving Jesus for like 40, 50 years, he's done more than Jesus did when he was Jesus was only here for three years. So in, in ratio, David Hogan's done more than what Jesus did. You know, it doesn't mean that David Hogan's better than Jesus. It just means that that, that verse is fulfilled. You know, you look at a Heidi Baker or a Catherine Kuhlman, that they've done more, in a sense, than what Jesus has done. You look at a Reinhard Bonnke, he's, he's basically evangelized Africa to billions upon billions of people have been saved for, for Jesus, that he's done more than what Jesus did when he was here. Basically, Jesus had 12 that he got saved. You know what I mean? But because of those 12, you know, we're all sitting here, you know, and there's millions or billions upon billions of people all over the world that have been, you know, brought to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is their Savior through evangelists, through pastors, through teachers. You know, that there's men and women out there doing crazy things for Jesus. You know, and it's funny is that, you know, we see how religion infects us. You know, that we, we compartmentalize ourselves. That we, we become a gated community and it's like don't hang out with those sinners because you might sin. But Jesus hung out with all sorts of people, prostitutes, tax collectors, you know, people that were drunkards. Now it's important. We're not Jesus, you know, so we can't be just chilling with certain types of people because it, it's very dangerous. But when we are firm in our salvation and firm in, in, 
and what Jesus is doing that it basically tells us that we can go anywhere, you know, but we need to use wisdom. But what we see in Elijah's life, you know, is that this Hebrew girl who's like a servant or a maid, you know, is talking about, you know, this guy who does these miracles to her basically boss, who's Naaman, who's a Syrian, and he has leprosy. You know, and he's basically done everything that he could do in his own strength and reached out to all these different places and, and he's suffering from leprosy. So he finally takes, you know, the, the words of this little girl who he would not have respected. Otherwise, he was desperate. You know, and he ends up going to Elijah, Elisha's house. <laughs> and Elisha didn't even go see him, which is funny to me because you know, Naaman being, you know, the head officer would have been a, probably a very prideful, egotistical man. And the fact that this guy didn't come see him would have really sent him through the roof. But Elijah gave a message, like, go dip in the Jordan River. Well, he gets furious. He's like, I could have dipped in the water where I was from, you know. But, you know, he humbled himself and he ended up going into the, the Jordan River, you know, and he was healed of his leprosy, you know. There's times that God does things that we think won't work. He likes doing that a lot. I don't know about you, but I've argued with him several times about things that I say aren't going to work. I'm like, this isn't going to work, but I'm so sick and tired of telling me to do it, so I'm going to do it, and I do it, and it works, and I get mad because it worked. Am I the only one that thinks this way? Because I still want to be Lord. I still want to be in charge. I still want to be in control. I still want to do it my way. And Jesus sets us up and does these things that don't make any sense. His ways are above our ways. You know, it baffles the wise. You know, it confounds, it confuses the wise. You know, so even in our best thinking, we can't figure out God's path apart from His Word and apart from the Spirit of God. But in this, you know, Naaman wants to give Elijah this this great gift, and Elijah doesn't want to accept it, you know, and, um, you know, his predecessor, or, you know, his, you know, next in line, you know, basically runs out to, and, and takes Naaman's gift, even when Elijah said he shouldn't, you know, and Elijah hears about it, you know, and basically brings on, you know, Naaman's curse and gives it to him. You know, and he ends up getting leprosy, and his call of God is falling short because he chased money. You know, he chased what he wanted, he thought was right. You know, and he thought it was a gift from God, but it ended up bringing a curse upon his life. So it's important that we're obeying God above what we think is God. You know, because through the years I hear all the, all the time, well, this is God. And usually they're talking about a relationship. And usually I'm like, there's no way that Jesus is involved in that at any level. But because you pulled the God card, let's play this out. And we just sit back and watch train wreck after train wreck after train wreck happen because God said, you know, and it's like, but it doesn't align with God's word. You know, and it's so important that what God says aligns with what God's word is, you know, and you know, and it's important that we, you know, have wisdom and it's important that we listen to people and it's important that we have, you know, accountability and, and authority structures in place and we hate that stuff. 
you know, I did. You know, when I first started coming to Jesus, I hated the fact that I had to submit to a man. You know, I've never submitted to a man in my entire life. You know, and here I am, Pastor Rick, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mike, Pastor Josh. I'm like, you know, my flesh would raise up. But because of my brokenness of my addiction, you know, and, you know, AA taught me that I need to be honest, open-minded, and willing. You know, and willingness was my my thing. Like, I could be honest, and I had somewhat of an open mind, but I really wasn't willing to do anything that wasn't my way. You know, and, you know, when I came back this last time, someone, you know, it just gets thrown out in the meetings. It's like, your next level of recovery is on the other side of the suggestion that you won't take. Well, I got a whole bunch of stuff that I won't do because it's not what I want to do. You know, and that stays true today. You know, when someone suggested something, you know, it doesn't mean I just hop to it, but the Holy Spirit just grabs a hold of some of these things. They're like, hey, Tom, remember this? Remember that? Like, I hear you. It doesn't mean I want to listen to you. You know, and I'm just trying to be honest. You know, I fight with Jesus still today. But my ability to surrender to him gets quicker and quicker through the years. You know, I'm tired of fighting with him. I'm tired of to going around a mountain another time. I'm tired of, you know, and it doesn't mean that I don't. You know, if I would have submitted to God with my weight, I'd probably be like 50 pounds by now. You know, but I still like eating way too much. And I don't like going to the gym on a consistent level. And I don't want to not eat cookies. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, and I, I throw my little temper tantrums still here. You know, a 42-year-old man, you know, I'm still crying and throwing a temper tantrum when God tells me to do something I don't want to do. But, you know, I get back on track a little bit quicker. Where before it was years, now it can be months. And I'm hoping to be, you know, down to weeks at some point. Maybe even days and even hours. And maybe I'll just be super holy someday. But <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, is I don't want to do what I don't want to do. You know, I want to forge my way in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, good luck with that. You know, and we, we call out all these different things. And we're good at pulling scriptures out of the Bible. If you've read it long enough, you can manipulate the word of God to get your will accomplished. But the truth of the matter is, is that we can do that apart from the Lord. You know, and, you know, we, you know, Joyce Myers always says the Christian bumper sticker sayings, you know, and it's like, it's true. We all do it. I've done it, you know, and it's, but when we come back to reality, you know, it's like, you know, just like Moses in a sense is that God said, you know, I'll give you a cloud and I'll give you an angel. Just go do what you want to do. And, and Moses was like, if you ain't going, I ain't going. And we really have to get that mentality that if this isn't Jesus, if this is not God's will for my life, I'm not doing it anymore. Because, you know, I can do a lot of things in a religious manner and waste a lot of time. You know, I would even say there was once upon a time, you know, in my early years when I'm serving in all these different capacities, you know, I was doing Celebrate Recovery two nights a week. I was doing Life Hurts God Heals one night a week. I was doing Youth Ministry another night a week, you know, and then I'm at a prayer meeting another night a week. And I'm like, I'm just running and gunning. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm really not praying all that much. But I'm serving the Lord, you know, and it's like, you know, when it comes time for me to spend time with the Lord, it's like I'm too busy. I'm serving Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. You're serving yourself in my name. You know, and through it, you know, he brought some, you know, boundaries in and he, he brought, you know, some correction in. You know, and Pastor Rick told me, you know, many, many years ago that you can do a lot of things probably good, 
you can only do one or two things well, you don't really only do one thing great. And you have to choose what you want to do. Do you want to do a bunch of things good or do you want to do one thing great? It's like, you know, but I, but, 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 and the truth of the matter is, is I want Jesus, you know, and I want Jesus's will. And I fought with that for many years. You know, I wanted to quit this ministry, which has grown and gone from Celebrate Recovery into Ground Zero Meetings. You know, soon we're going to have, you know, a non-for-profit and we're going to be buying new land and there's going to be a, a new, you know, mission house. And, and it's like, how did I get here? Basically, I just didn't go. I just didn't run. I just didn't quit. You know, and, and through the years, it's been God that's doing it. I can't make that stuff happen. There's been a lot of paperwork that got done in other people's hands that I had nothing to do. I just sat here, like, quietly waiting for Jesus to do stuff because it's out of my hands. But God said, do it, and God said, wait. You know, and I had to trust him. You know, that God has a amazing ways to continue to move in our lives. You know, as we look through Scripture, we watch men and women do crazy things, you know, even honoring God, doing crazy things, but yet they're not really honoring God in their heart. You know, and it's so important that we really pray and obey. You know, I say it all the time is, have you prayed? No. Well, why don't you do that first? You know, and then I'll say, what did God say? And they're like, oh, I hate you. You know, because in the end, it's like, am I doing what God wants me to be doing? Isn't that what this is all about? You know, and it's so important that we make that choice. I can't make that for you. You know, Alex is my little brother, but I can't make him do really anything. I can make him do some things, but I can't make his heart chase Jesus. You know, and I learned a long time ago that, you know, in ministry and in rehabs and this, there's a lot of this behavioral modification, and we see it in the church as well. You know, we behavior modify ourselves to what we're supposed to be doing. And yet when no one's looking, we're doing all this other stuff. And our minds in other places, our hearts in other places, our actions in other places, our bodies in other places. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is that do I really want what Jesus has for me or not? You know, Jesus says, you're either with me or against me. They're like, There's no middle ground. And that's like scary if you really think about it. It's like I'm serving Jesus or I'm not. And I can say I believe in him, but yet I'm not serving him. And I don't know, like a long time ago, I realized that if I'm not doing this Jesus thing, I'm in scary territory because I'm going to go do what I want to do. And even if I'm sober and doing the right thing for a long time, if I do what I want to do, I end up back in some really crazy places because I'm a pretty bad center. You know, and even though I'm saved and I've been healed and all this other stuff, that my will will gravitate to some pretty crazy places. So I got to keep that thing in check on a regular basis, you know, and it's so important that we're pressing into the word. It's pressing in and building our relationship with Jesus, that we're talking to him. It's not a one time a day thing. It's not for me. I'm talking to him all the time, you know, and it's so important that we're building this relationship, that we're getting to know him and we're allowing him to speak into our lives, you know, and we, we watch men and women do some crazy things to honor God and for God that, you know, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God wants to do on this earth. You know, you know, we read scripture and it says that you are my good and faithful servant. You know, I don't know when I, when I'm praying and I, I want that to be spoken over my life that someday when I pass on from this life to the next, that 
you know, I want to believe that I did what I was supposed to do in this generation. And anything else doesn't matter to me. You know, I, I mean, I want stuff. It doesn't mean I don't want stuff. But at the end of the day, I want Jesus more than stuff. I want Jesus more than riches. I want Jesus more than wife. I want Jesus more than anything. And I keep putting Jesus first. And that's the only thing that's been working for me is I keep putting Jesus first. You know, and that's that's basically it. You know, and it's really, really hard to do. You know, and it doesn't mean that I've done it perfectly. And it doesn't mean that we've done it perfectly. And it doesn't mean that we've done it wrong. But we have to say enough's enough. Today's a new day. I'm surrendering again. And I'm letting Jesus move in my life. And I want to chase after God. And I want God to move in my life. That he would, you know, do crazy things. You know, I've watched, you know, healings happen. I've, you know, I've seen prophetic words given. And you know what? I've been in the place where I've prayed for people and people got healed. I've been in the place where I've prayed for people. And I'm like, whoa, how did you know that? I didn't know nothing. I'm just praying what I hear. You know, and I think that's the most amazing thing that the God of this universe would use someone like me because I'm just a crackhead that goes in and out of jail. And then I decided to give my life to Jesus. And all of a sudden he wants to do this cool stuff with me. Like I hear about stuff that I used to do every now and again. And I'm like, I've changed so much. Like I'm not even a representation of that person that I used to be. And every one of us in this room is like that. It doesn't matter how we're doing now. We may have messed up. But if we really look at the person that we were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, we don't even represent that person at all. And that's the power of God moving in our lives. Now just imagine where we can be in the next year, the next five years, the next ten years, if we say, Jesus, I'm not letting go this time. You know, and none of us, or I can't make that for none of you. You have to make that decision for yourself and saying enough's enough. I'm going to press in. It's not about what I'm going to get because I'm going to get more Jesus. And that's better than anything else that this world has to offer. Can you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you that you are moving in our lives. I thank you that you never give up on us. I thank you that you can and will do crazy things with us. I mean, we read these stories, these supernatural stories that the world would say are fables. The world would say that we just made them up. But we believe that Scripture is 100% true. And we see these prophetic you know, images of Jesus all through the Old Testament, that you are moving the Spirit of God, that you are the Spirit of God, and you are moving all on this earth since it was created, and that you are pouring out your Spirit upon people and that you came and saved us from ourselves. That you, you paid the ultimate price for our sins, Lord. So help us to, to come back to you no matter if we've strayed just one step or we've strayed a hundred steps, Lord. Help us to say, you know what, Jesus, I need to press into you that you have rescued me, Lord. And I ask that you would just move in my life again, Lord. I just ask that you would help me to grow with you more and more and more. Help me to represent you. Help me to... To, to be the man and the woman that you've called me to be so that I can bring forth your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, men.